The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our only mediator and our advocate, and we are so thankful that we come in that strong name, that we can approach in His name the throne of grace with confidence. We thank you, Lord, that it is uh, by His merit, and yet that His merit is completely and totally sufficient uh, for us to come to you, the Creator of all. And so we, we come now, but we do so in the power of your Spirit. Uh, your spirit which you have given to us and we thank you thank you thank you uh, that you are um, that you have seen fit to place yourself within us by faith and so god we pray that you would now by your spirit by that same spirit the same spirit that rose jesus from the dead that you would uh, now who live in us that you would teach us and that you would guide us and that you would direct our hearts and our minds and our conversation uh, to glorify you and to instruct us so that we may love you and serve you uh, in the world more and more each day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let us say together the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, He rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Alright. So today we began, we've had a week on God the Father, three weeks on God the Son, and now we spend two weeks on God the Holy Spirit. And I will have to say, you know, it's just really, honestly, it's serendipity. I, I suppose I should have thought, you know, the perfect time of the year to go through the Apostles' Creed is right after Easter, where we, uh, where we talk about all the steps of these things. And I, I, I didn't really honestly think about that. And, and I have been amazed to see each week as we've gone through the lessons. And uh, as we, you know, Trent, I preach every week during, uh, we both preach every week during um, the, when we have Riverbank. And so just to prepare for the sermon and see how that every week has just coincided exactly with what we're talking about. And of course, this week is the Ascension. And we talked about the Ascension of Jesus last week, but in the, in both in Luke and Acts, of course, they're both written by Luke, uh, Jesus promises that He will send, as He's ascending, He promises that He will send the Holy Spirit. And so there's a lot, um, so this week and next week, next week, of course, is Pentecost, and so we'll be talking about the Holy Spirit uh, a lot next week as we finish up this series. And, um, and I, I've just been so grateful for it. But let me ask you, as we start, I mean, the Holy Spirit is a little... Sca- I mean, scary may not be the right word. Uh, um, uh, difficult to know about. Uh, we're not sure. We, we hear, we have some friends that, that are Pentecostal or Church of Christ or something, and they... They're very charismatic, and they raise their hands, or they speak in tongues, or they, you know, some people even say, if you're not doing that, then you're not actually a Christian, and that, and that creates some confusion, and, and probably some resentment, and, we, and we, we may push those things away. 
um, in favor of the things that we know we can control. And we know we can't control uh, the Holy Spirit, so we are, but we can control liturgy and hymns and, and trusting that the Holy Spirit is, is with us and, and in us, uh, but in, in not in a real sort of effusive way because, you know, we're dignified Episcopalians. But what, um, what, what do you, what is your, what, what is your experience with or impression of, and you may have had, there's people in this room I know that have had profound experiences in the ministry of the Spirit and some people who may not. So I, I'm just curious as to sort of where our breadth is and who I'm, who I'm talking to, what you'd be willing to share with us this morning. Anybody? Effusive. You, you are, you're one of our, our friends and, and one of our prisoners who has had a profound experience, and many profound experiences of, of the Holy Spirit, such as, such as what? What would you be willing to share with us? Just, I mean, not you don't have to give this whole anecdote, but just a... I think the, the one that still moves most is when I in prayer ministry. Yes. So praying, not, probably not just back here at not the back, back yeah, here. but praying for other people and really sensing the Spirit probably praying not what you think but what you hear the spirit praying exactly. yeah so really having that sense that he's with you praying through you Gary with mm-hmm. we had a healing ministry yeah down at St. John's right it's how, uh, yeah when it was the St. John's chapel we had some and I'm still getting yeah we had some experiences yeah so real prayer healing prayer ministry right yeah uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. One of them was in the hospital room, and the doctor had already written the guy off. Yeah. His Where is that guy today? He's like, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. Driving car. Driving car, yeah, yeah. And he was in our car club. And so we went up, and I mean, literally, even his wife, who was just in the room, went, wow. Mm hmm. Yeah, and, and and yeah, that's not didn't. I'm sure it felt wonderful, but it didn't feel like Benny Hinn. You know, it didn't feel like you know, I'm gonna wave my hand and the building's gonna fall over or something, something like that. Yeah. So, but and yet, so so I I totally uphold all of that. But there's probably some folks here who think mm, I don't know about that. That's, that kind of feels a little strange. Anybody want to kind of? Anybody willing to kind of to say that that feels? Yeah, Connie. Uh, Many years ago, I heard someone speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. and I was terrified. Terrified, I was yeah. Terrified. The closer I've, in further in my walk, mm-hmm. um, I have again heard someone speaking in tongues, and and it's I'm inquisitive, but I'm not terrified anymore. Sure, sure. So. I mean, listen. I mean, there's some profound Christian people who who do not do not speak in tongues. I mean. I, but I don't think it's all hocus pocus either. I mean, I think it's. Uh, although I do have friends who grew up in that, and they learned pretty quickly if they if they just said hubba bubba bubble gum uh, over and over again that way, or bought a Mitsubishi and I should have bought a Honda, um, and <laughs> that would be satisfying to the, the people. Um, but nevertheless, I mean, I have had uh, experiences of the Holy Spirit in, in that sense, and. Um, and and yet you can't call it. I mean, you, I've had times where I prayed for there's a warmth, like a, a, a warmth in my hand that I didn't even notice, but the person felt really hot, you know, to my touch. And and um, 
and and yeah, I can't call that. I mean, I wish I wish I could. It's not like some magic power that I have that I can say the right words. You know, it's not Harry Potter where you just wave the wand in the correct way and hold your mouth and 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 you get magic power. It's it's just it's his whim. It's his will. You, we can't uh, control it. He comes to edify. He comes to edify. So we're going to talk about all these. We're going to look at John 14 and John 16 particularly, and um, and so if. Uh, and then we'll talk, we're going to talk about the church uh, as well. Interesting, the, the, the church, I mean, there's this whole sort of subset of things that we, are, that we talk about under the heading of the Holy Spirit. Now, I, let me say, too, if you are not comfortable talking about the, you just don't know what you think about praying in tongues or, I mean, that's just not good decorum. Let me say, St. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, like, don't do it in church. You know, and if if the I'd, he said, I'd rather speak ten thousand intelligible words than five in a tongue, because because what is what is what is important is the upbuilding of the of the kingdom, and if people you're praying in tongues, people are going to be impressed with you, but they're not brought close to Jesus because they can't understand. There's no interpreter. So let me say that it, it is fine for you to not know what you think about this. It's fine for you to think, whoa, wait a second, my priest just said he had profound experience of the Holy Spirit. I don't know what I think about that either. Um, like, hopefully this will sort of begin, the next couple weeks will dispel uh, sort of the, the, ter- the terror or the, the, the scariness of it. But I'm not saying that in order to be a real Christian or, I mean, he, again, it's his whim. He gets to do that. We should be open to whatever he wants to do. Uh, Sissy was going to say something. I, I was just going to say, I didn't know that you could choose when you speak in tongues. I thought it just came. I don't really. I don't yeah, I don't really choose. Yeah. It's, it it doesn't happen. Sometimes it's see, big seasons, and sometimes years without it. So, and those, those who really feel terrified by thinking about or listening to things like that, all they have to do is to let go and let God. Well, that's easier said than done. Yeah, it's easier said than done. But um, but yeah, I, I it's easy for the ones who have experienced it. It's harder for the ones who hadn't. So, um, but but I agree. I agree with you in in theory. All right. So the spirit. This thing about the the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit. We hear about the Holy Spirit through, through the Old Testament, uh, but we don't hear about it in a Pentecost sense. We, you and I, we're Pentecost people. We live we live post Pentecost. We all have the Holy Spirit, but prior to Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was particular to individuals. Again, according to the whim and the will of God, we see the Holy Spirit rushed uh, came upon Samson when he, um, you know, and he. <laughs> Why? Like that? He did crazy. Crazy. Anthony did crazy things. Saul, uh, the king, king Saul, before King David, that he's prophesied the Holy Spirit working through him. Um, the Holy Spirit came upon individuals for the purpose of God. It wasn't corporate like it is now. It's co- corporate in the sense that we all have the Holy Spirit living and dwelling in us. We are the temple of God. But before uh, the temple was where the Spirit of God dwelt, and so we see the Holy Spirit through uh, the Old Testament, but it's not in the same way. It is the, it's the manifestation of the work of God. It is the presence of God, but it is not given to everyone. Jesus, uh, in His uh, ministry, of course, we see the Holy Spirit. It's a wonderful Trinitarian passage uh, in the baptism of Jesus. It begins His ministry. Now, was, did Jesus have the Holy Spirit before that? You would think so, because He is God. He is one with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. That itself is controversial. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But the, um, 
But the the Holy Spirit and, and the, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, are one. And yet we see in the baptism of Jesus, Jesus comes up out of the water, and the clouds are opened, the voice of the Father speaks over the Son, and the Spirit comes down upon the Son uh, like a dove. Like it was not a bird that landed on Jesus' shoulder. Right? It, just, it was just this sort of, I don't know what exactly, gosh, that's another... How many, how many things are there in Scripture that when we get to heaven, we're going to watch the video? It's going to be so awesome. I can't wait. Um, but this is on the list to see what did it look like for the Holy Spirit to kind of to descend. You know, the dove lands feet first, kind of comes down ahead and, and sort of puts on the brakes and then lands feet first. And um, what was it going to look like? For the Holy Spirit to come upon Jesus. But that Holy Spirit is the inauguration. I mean, that's it's the inauguration of his ministry. Right? It wasn't that Jesus didn't wasn't the Son of God. He was fully God, fully man all the time. But in that moment, he was prepared for what God had called him to, which would be the next three years of his earthly ministry before he was crucified. And so when you give your life to Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. St. Peter says uh, at Pentecost, which we'll talk about next week um, in church and surely in here as well, uh, that they said, what do we do? What, what do we do? He, they're cut to the heart by the, by the preaching of, of Peter. And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus in His ascension says, you will receive the Holy Spirit. And so when you gave your life to Christ, you received the Holy Spirit. When you were baptized, that was sort of you were marked as Christ's own, sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism, and marked as Christ's own forever. It wasn't something magic about the water and the oil in your baptism. It was the promise of God, symbolic of what you had already received spiritually. Right? He came upon you. And when you came to faith, it was the promise of God. If you were baptized as an infant, it was the promise before. But even, even for believers who are baptized, we, are bab- we baptize them in, uh, into the faith that they already have within them. Right? So, the Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus and in a sense, in a very real sense, compels Him or strengthens Him for His ministry. But he doesn't, it's not like He's all good, right? He's got to take lots of time in prayer and, and, and we only have a few chapters of what took place over three years. I mean, there's there's a lot of the work of the Spirit in Jesus and through Jesus uh, during His ministry time. But He spends a lot of time just going away, communing with the Father, continually sort of recharging His batteries. But in that communion, Jesus is, knows that the Holy Spirit is with Him. It's by the Holy Spirit that He has that communion. And, and the same is true for you and me. It's by the Holy Spirit that we have that communion with God. How can we approach the throne of grace with confidence like it says in Hebrews? It's by the Holy Spirit, because you have that access. Um, how do you have the Holy Spirit? Because your sins have been atoned for, and now the presence of God is with, within you. And the whole Christian life is learning to live into what is actually true about us already. So, you have the sp- same Spirit of God, Paul says, that raised Jesus from the dead. That Every time I really try to think about that, really meditate on the fact that we have the same Spirit of God living in us that raised Jesus from the dead and in a sense we have that same Jesus but I don't you know how all that works but that is amazing I mean think what am I doing why am I watching Netflix I've got the spirit of God living inside of me 
don't know. I like lost in space. All right. Um, all right. So let me look at let me look at John 14. If you have a Bible on your phone or your tablet that you brought with you, great. Um, so John 14. Is this, this is where Jesus says, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life." We read that in funerals a lot. We we hold on to that. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says the exclusivity. Uh, of Christ in terms of no one comes to the Father except through me, but it's for all people, so it's inclusive as well. Here's what he says, promises the Holy Spirit, starting in verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, keeping commandments and love are not the same thing. He's not saying um, that that's the same thing. But if you love me, love comes first, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him because He dwells with you and will be in you. There is a physical locus of the Holy Spirit within you. It's not a theory. It's not, um, you know, the internet is not on your phone or your computer. It's out there somewhere and it's transmitted there. You, it's... You don't, the Holy Spirit's not in the cloud somewhere. The Holy Spirit is in you. Like you are. You have your own CPU. Or I, I don't even know. I haven't even worked that out before uh, in my notes. Um, I probably need to stop with that an- analogy. So you will receive a, a helper. Do you might know what the word, the Greek word there is? So you, you, this is one that you might know. You might know. And it, when I say it, you will have heard it. What is it? Paraclete. paraclete right, the paraclete. Jesus is the paraclete. I mean, uh, Jesus sends the paraclete. So this is um, uh, this is translated different ways. The helper. What's the, did anybody from your own your old King James or your sweet NIV or whatever that you grew up with? Anybody remember other ways to translate this? Advocate. Advocate. He's your advocate. He speaks on your behalf. He's there to help you. What else? Any others? Sometimes it's translated counselor. Another of the same kind. Well, that's a that's a curveball. I'm not. Um, which would say yes. I mean, he's a, that's how it's trained. He will send you another of the same kind. Is how it translates it. Yeah, the Greek word specifically means another of the same. Oh. Kind. Someone like Jesus himself. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So the. Um, so it is one like Jesus, but there to advocate on our behalf, to help us along the way, to count. And sometimes it's translated counselor, uh, friend. Uh, it is, um, but it is sent by the Father as the presence of Christ. He is. I mean, he's a per is a person. Um, the Holy Spirit is a person. So, he, so Jesus goes on. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, is he talking about his own return? Possibly. But more likely, in the context, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He is the presence, the Holy Spirit is the presence of Christ. In fact, in the book of Acts, it calls it the Spirit of Jesus. Right? Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you'll see me, because I live, you will also live. And in that day, you will know that I'm in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. I mean, think about it. That is, that's what theologians call union with Christ. You are united to Christ. How? By the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, 
So he is, he is the helper. He is there to, um, he's going to manifest himself uh, to us. Now let me go flip over to John 16. So remember, this is all the night before Jesus dies. He's washed their feet already, given them the, la- the last supper. <clears throat> so beginning with the second half of verse 4, Jesus says, I didn't say these things to you from the beginning, because I was with, because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I mean, of course they're sad. Jesus is their their hero. I mean, their best friend, but their hero, right? And he's going away, and of course they're sad. But nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. I mean, can you imagine Jesus saying that? Or somebody that you love saying, I'm leaving, and it's to your great advantage. No, we don't want that. That's, we don't want you to go away. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. In other words, it is more to your benefit to have the Holy Spirit than it is to have Jesus. And why is that? Because Jesus can only be, in one, and I talk about this in the sermon, Jesus can only be in one place at one time. He's human. But the Holy Spirit is in, with you all the, in all places at all times. So that is a great advantage there. If I don't go away, the Helper won't come. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And when He comes, this is so wonderful. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That's the the Holy Spirit's main jobs. Now, any speaking in tongues or healing or anything like that, that's secondary to his, His primary work, which is to glorify God by convicting the world Concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. This is what Jesus says. Concerning sin because they don't believe in me. It's not that I... I think that's so significant because you would expect, in a sense, or I would, Jesus to say concerning sin because they keep doing bad things and I want them to stop. Why do they do bad things? I mean, anytime we do this, it's, it's fundamentally a lack of trust. Why do I want to do something I'm not supposed to do? Because I think that's going to be more benefit to me even if it's just a present and momentary benefit. But I, if I really believed that, that I could get what I, what I want from God, I would go to God, right? And so, concerning sin, because... Where did I, oop, I lost it. Because He will convict the world because they don't believe in Me. And that's fundamentally the root of sin, isn't it? It's, it's disbelief. It, it's, not, it's not... The root of sin is not doing bad things. That's the, that's the fruit of sin. The root of sin is that we don't believe in Christ. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. What? What, <laughs> what is he talking about? So the Holy Spirit is, is to convict us concerning righteousness because Jesus is going to the Father and we're not going to see Him anymore. So what is that? Why do we need to be convicted of righteousness? What is, what is, that, what is Jesus saying? What is the Holy Spirit's role in this, in this conviction of righteousness? What does that mean? To, to be that guide for righteousness in us. Uh, or to, uh, to be that, to help us decide what's right, I guess, too. Right. right. 
is not going to be there, then, then that's the role of the Holy Spirit. So in a sense, he's our conscience, because G- Jesus isn't here to set the example anymore, right? So who's our example? We have the Word of God, which we can trust. We have the Spirit of God. Now, you have to test the Spirit, because, you know, you... Sometimes, you know, my, my joke is always, you know, is that the Holy Spirit, is that the pizza I ate last night? I mean, you have to, you have to, you have to decide, I mean, just because you think it doesn't mean it's the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean it's not. You've got to test that against Scripture, right? If the Holy Spirit in you tells you to do something that is contrary to Scripture, then you should go with Scripture, not, not your whim. Um, <coughs> But you can, I believe very much, that you can hear the Holy Spirit. You can actually train yourself to hear the Holy Spirit, but you should never trust that you've learned it so well that you don't have to test it against Scripture. So, concerning sin, because they don't believe in me, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. In other words, you've lost your example and you need the Spirit. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. What does he mean there? The ruler of this world is judged. See, just looks of confusion and blank stares coming back at me. What, what do you think? Well, Christ overcame all of Satan's power that he had over the world. This is the separation of the sheep and the goats. Right? So the sheep are with the shepherd, the goats are with the hired hand, or, or however you want to say it. I mean, it's, it's um, and, and it's, it's <clears throat> the, the ruler of the world, he's talking about Satan, the ruler of the world is judged, he will be condemned. All those who aligned himself there because they don't believe, they, they will go with him. This is, it's not condemnation, you don't believe in me, and I'm insecure, and I can't have that. It's not what it means. It means it's, it's who rules your heart. I actually think that the people who go with Satan in the last judgment will do so delightedly uh, because that's the, the choice of their heart. It won't feel like evil uh, to them. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, let, let, me, let me finish that thought. I, you know, will they get a chance to see, if they haven't seen Christ truly, will they get a chance to, even after their death? Maybe. I mean, I, I, Jesus is far more gracious than I am, and, and so I hope so. Um, I'm not a universalist, but if they get to Christ, heaven, it's because of Christ and His atoning sacrifice. And do they, if they've never heard Him or seen Him truthfully, will, will we all have a chance to see Him unveiled and then make a choice? I hope so. I, hope so. I think that case can, can be made from Scripture for sure. Yes, Rick. So when you talk about the ruler of this world, if you sort of underline this, you talk about the ruler of this world that we see is... Oh, I don't think he means the planet. I think he means the, the era. Okay. So you're talking about present. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I think so. Yeah. I think yeah, so. That would make more sense. Yeah. Okay. So that's the that's the role the role of the spirit. Um, those principal things. So con, concerning righteousness, I think this is where the fruit of the spirit comes in. Remember the fruit of the spirit that that uh, Paul talks about in Galatians chapter five. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I hate that one. Um, <laughs> I always pray that for my kids at night, and they're like, Oh, Dad. Like I, oh, I accidentally put an emphasis on self-control one more time. Um, 
So the fruits of the Spirit are different, actually, from the gifts of the Spirit, which we hear about in 1 Corinthians 12 and in uh, Romans chapter 12. Um, the fruits of the Spirit are bearing the character of Christ. The fruit it grows organically within you. Now, I, somebody, this is, uh, and I want to thank Susie Brown and, and some other folks who remembered that today, and I, and I didn't remember, but today is my rebirthday. Um, today is my the anniversary of when I um, gave my life uh, to Christ, and so May thirteenth, nineteen ninety. Um, so I'm twenty eight, and um, praise God. And, uh, and I didn't remember that, but I would have told you then, twenty eight years from now, I'm going to have it down pat, man. I am going to be so much more righteous, uh, you know. And I'm, gonna, I'm not. I would have honestly really thought that Jesus wouldn't need to really have much left for me to. to um, to, he wouldn't need to save much left, you know, uh, because I was going to have it. I was going to sort of have that whole acting like Christ, being in the image of Christ thing, sort of down pat. I probably am less practically sinful uh, than I was then uh, as a 15-year-old, but um, I am so much more profoundly aware of my sin now than I ever was then. Um, and so constantly I'm, I'm giving myself um, over in repentance to Christ. Now, some people, that doesn't really resonate. They feel like that's sort of guilt. And for me, it's freedom and joy in life. Um, but, but the fruit of the Spirit is, nevertheless, I can look at my life and think, I, w- I would have thought that I had much more joy, peace, patience than I've got now, self-control, kindness, goodness, all those things. And yet, I can, I can see in retrospect that the Lord has grown those things in me. And, and yet, it's, it's, much, it's actually much healthier to see that He's grown them in other people than it is to look in, at yourself. Because you can, you can affirm and encourage uh, what God is doing in other people. But if you say, yeah, man, He's re- really made me a patient person. You can give thanks for that, but then you've got to work on humility. So, um, so the fruit of the Spirit, but that's different from the gifts of the Spirit, right? The gifts of the Spirit are the things, your natural gifts and talents. So some of you are great at accounting, and you can glorify God by, by that. And if you were to let me come near your accounting, your, your books, you would, you would run for the hills, or, and you would take your books with you, because you would not want me to be your accountant. But some of you are great at that, and you can glorify God as an accountant right there. I happen to be good and enjoy you know, standing in front of people and talking about Scripture. And that's just, but it's not a better gift. It's, it, it, it's not because I'm more holy. I'm certainly not more holy. It is just because that's the gift that God has given me. And I want to exercise my gifts. But you have gifts. Some of you are great at, you have a great memory. Or you're great at um, relationships. You're merciful and you, you want to really welcome people. Or you're wonderful at arts and crafts. Or just whatever it is. You might think, well, I'm just, I mean, I'm just naturally good at it. Why? Because you were gifted by God. He knit you together in your mother's womb, and He made you good at that in order to glorify Him and to build up His church, which is so awesome when I see things like created for a purpose and all these women coming together, some cooking, some sewing, some um, leading and, and uh, you know, organizing, and some, uh, you know, just all sorts of speaking to, to the girls all sorts of different ways that they're exercising things that they love to do. That God made them great at in order to glorify Him. But it's not limited to women. You can do, I mean, everyone. Everyone. Every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. 
right? And if we have time some other time, maybe we'll, maybe that'd be a good series to kind of go through the spiritual gifts and see what each of those things are. And, uh, and really, we've never really done, since I've been here anyway, a spiritual gifts assessment, and that might be a really good thing for us uh, to do. But those gifting, particular talents, particular proclivities for the upbuilding of the kingdom. So we see that the Holy Spirit is promised uh, at ascension and Pentecost is given, right? Jesus ascends and says, I will send you the Holy Spirit. Ten days later, Pentecost, tongues of fire, come down and, uh, and, all the, and the Spirit is, is given. All right. I've got about seven minutes and I want to talk about um, the Holy Catholic Church communion of saints. I don't... Um, re- I always remember thinking why we say we believe in God and there's a couple things about Him, believe in Jesus and there's a bunch about Him, believe in the Holy Spirit and there's nothing about Him that we have to list out the church and forgiveness and things. All these things are ours because the Holy Spirit works. I think it's the genius really of the whoever put together the Apostles' Creed because all these things are, are gifts and works of the Spirit. I can remember very distinctly um, in church as a little boy and I don't know how little I was, but I was old enough to remember, so probably 10, 12, somewhere in there, saying the Apostles' Creed, or maybe it was the Nicene Creed, and watching the lady next to me, I mean, I know exactly who it was, not say the word Catholic. (laughs) One holy and apostolic church. I can just remember those lips being pursed during the word Catholic. Not going to say that. And I have no idea what the baggage was there. She was uber Protestant or she had been raised Catholic and burned by it, but she was not going to pray for the Catholics, right? So there are places, and I think it's incorrect. There are places in our prayer book that use the word Catholic with a capital C. And to me, that's, that, says, um, that says Roman Catholic. I don't think it means that, but it's better to me if it's a lowercase c. It's, it's clearer because Catholic, and even the, the, word, the word Catholic, aside from the church, means universal, right? It's for everybody. And, and we're Catholic in the sense that we're not, not just, not just um, across denominations now, but across the centuries, right? You are part of something much, 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 much greater than yourself, which is really a wonderful thing. And it is actually the work of the Holy Spirit, and the church is holy and Catholic. It is, um, it's not holy Catholic. It's not one word. It's, those are two distinct descriptors, adjectives. And apostolic was added in the Nicene Creed. It's holy because it is the body of Christ. Um, it is a broken bride in that sense. But again, what is, our life is to live into what is already true about us. It is holy. It's Catholic because it's for all people. And it's apostolic because it's built on the teachings of Christ and His apostles. And it is handed, is sent out and handed down. Um, I'm reading a book, or actually the staff is reading a book that says, actually the church is the apostle in the world now. The church, you and I, we are sent into the world. It's one of the things that main thing my sermon is about this morning, is we are ambassadors, right? We are sent into the world uh, we are the church. We are the apostle. Um, the communion of saints, most, in the commentaries I'm looking at, they just combine Holy Catholic Church, communion of saints. It's, it's the people, right? One commentator, J.I. Packer, said 
something really interesting. He said it could have actually originally meant the communion of holy things. Because that's what saints mean, is holy ones, right? And it could have been holy objects, like holy things, like the sacraments, right? Prayer, liturgy, but especially the bread and the wine, the water and the oil uh, of the sacraments. Or, it could also mean the communion with those who have gone to heaven, right? We are, uh, again, not just through the centuries, but in, on earth as it is in heaven, there's a communion that we're probably not aware of. Um, so there's a lot, it's sort of a mysterious phrase. Uh, nope, not going to go there. Um, the interesting thing about the church, the word church in Greek is ecclesia. So if you hear the word ecclesiastical, that's, that's it's from that word, ecclesia. It means called out ones. Ek means out of, kaleo. Um, and actually paraclete is probably parakaleo, which is called alongside, the one called alongside. But um, ecclesia is called out ones. We are the ones who have been called out of the world, and yet we are sent back into it, right? But we're called out of the word world. Um, and so I think that the one holy Catholic church is uh, vertically oriented. We are the, we're holy because we're the body of Christ, right? And the communion of saints is horizontal. We are all together. So we have that sort of pattern that we have often, so often have, vertically oriented and horizontally oriented. We are um, oriented towards God as the body of Christ. We are oriented toward one another as, as the uh, representation, the fellowship of Christ uh, here on earth. Any questions? <laughs> uh, no, we've got it covered. Uh, uh, yeah. So we got I'm really got a couple minutes. I mean, that's really what I pretty much have to say today. We'll talk next week, why in the world is forgiveness of sins here and not under Jesus? We'll talk about that. Resurrection. That should be under that. All these things ought to be under Jesus, but they're under the Holy Spirit. So interesting. But yeah, question. Gary. Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, we said we weren't going to die, gummit. Yeah, uh, stay tuned. Because <laughs> we're not having a Memorial Day. So I guess it'll be the first week of June. We'll finish up then. Dad gum. All right, thanks. <laughs> Edit that out, please. Yeah. Thank you, Gary. Yeah, so not. All right, first week of June. Yeah. Good question. <laughs> yes, okay. I've always understood that if someone was speaking in tongues, there needed to be someone interpreting, otherwise it's not valid. So Kay says, I've always heard that if someone was speaking in tongues, there needed to be someone interpreting or it was not valid. And I, biblically speaking, you're correct. Particularly in, in church. Now, if you are speaking in tongues in prayer, in your own private prayer, I think that's fine. Like, you don't need an interpreter. You don't need to say I if you don't if you don't need to say I've got a word from the Lord if you don't know what it means, but I think what that what is happening in that instance is that God is praying through you for whatever He gets to pray about. That's fine for Him, but in public, if someone were to stand up and speak in tongues, there it, it there needs to be an interpreter. And I've had many 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 more people I've known many more people to claim to have the gift of tongues than have had the gift of interpretation. I've met two. I mean, there are many, but I've, I've met two people that 
understand. And and so it, that's a, it's a rare it's a rare gifting in our day. Thank you. That's helpful. It's not weird though. Like it's not. I mean, it's really it's really wonderful. I'd be happy to pray with you about it if if you if you'd like to. Yep, yeah, Holly. So, person that prays in tongues, can they interpret their own tongues? Well, one of the people that was an interpreter, um, they were they were interpreting their own, and and I, and while I think, hmm, that sounds a little fishy, it um, it actually was, it held up. And it was, she was very cautious about it always, even though she had this for years and years and years as a prayer ministry. Um, so yes, it can. But again, I think to be taken with caution. It's extremely rare. Yeah. Because when you're praying in tongues, it's not you. Yeah. The Spirit, as, as Paul said, the Spirit grows from within you, and, and you're not even... At least in my experience, you're not aware. Yeah. Well, so the, I mean, the woman that, that I knew that could, I mean, she prayed over Amy and I and, uh, in a prayer. We went to her to receive prayer. And, and I will just say that everything that she interpreted later, she's prayed the prayer tongues, and then she went back as if the Spirit was continued, just working back through her, and she laid it out, and it was, it was right down the line, and it was very meaningful and relevant to us. And so that that's why I think that, I mean, and it has continued to bear fruit. So I, th- I think, again, it is very rare, not to be shied away from, but it's, it's to be taken with caution. But her, and she did, she held it with, with caution. Anyway, listen, I got to go to church. Love you. And uh, we won't see you in here next week. No breakfast actually next week either. Uh, and we'll, but we have a great picnic. And um, happy Mother's Day. Thank <laughs> you.